In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Cleanse my heart and my lips, Almighty God, that I may proclaim your gospel worthily. The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Listen to another parable. There was a man, a landowner, who planted a vineyard. He fenced it round, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went abroad. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his servants, trashed one, killed another, and stoned a third. Next, he sent some more servants, this time a larger number, and they dealt with them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come on, let us kill him and take over his inheritance. So they seized him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They answered, He will bring those wretches to a wretched end and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will deliver the produce to him when the season arrives. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? It was the stone rejected by the builders that became the keystone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. I tell you then that the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. The Gospel of the Lord If you are a wine connoisseur, a drive through the wine-producing regions of France like Burgundy and Bordeaux would not only be a sight to behold, but also provide many happy wine-tasting opportunities. The road trip, however, could also prove to be a painful reality check. Not all luscious vineyards translate into rich, delicious vintage. Behind a veneer of tasty-looking grapes, hanging like a conocopia from their vines, could be a season of sour grapes. The prophet Isaiah introduces the first reading as a love song, sung for the sake of his friend, in some translations called the Beloved, concerning his friend's vineyard. Yet any romantic expectations on the hearer's part are soon dashed, as the love story the prophet sings swiftly turns sour, literally. The prophet describes how his friend had labored hard to prepare the land for a good harvest. He ducked the soil, cleared it of stones, planted choice vines in it. In the middle, he built a tower. He dug a press there too. He expected it to yield grapes. He ducked the soil, cleared it of stones. But sour grapes were all that it gave. What a tragic disappointment. The voice of the friend shifts into the voice of the prophet and finally takes on the voice of God. The inhabitants of Jerusalem and the men of Judah are called to judge between the vineyard and him. The theme shifts from a rustic, agricultural setting with romantic undertones to a legal court case. 
You see, the honeymoon is over. The divorce has begun. We can immediately detect the pain and frustration in God's rhetorical question. What could I have done for my vineyard that I have not done? I expected it to yield grapes. <coughs> Why did it yield sour grapes instead? The crop of sour grapes is not of his doing, because God has done all that is necessary to produce a healthy crop. The sentence pronounced upon the vineyard swiftly follows. Its hedge and wall of protection will be destroyed. It shall be rendered a wasteland bearing thorns and thistles, parched for lack of rain. In the destruction of the vineyard, the painful themes of the fall in Eden are recalled. Thorns and thistles will grow where once a well-watered and beautiful garden lay. If the hearers of Isaiah's parable were in any doubt, its point is made explicit in the conclusion. The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. The same refrain we will hear in the psalm. And a band of Judah had chosen plant. The indictment is summed up with a deft poetic twist. He expected justice, but found bloodshed, integrity, but only a cry of distress. Apply the parable of the vineyard to the nation of Israel. God gave his people every advantage and opportunity to repent. They were his chosen nation. They were his beloved bride, and he was Israel's bridegroom. Countless times they turned away to serve God, serve and follow other gods. With all the work God had put into his vineyard, the people of Israel, he should have been able to expect them to yield a harvest of righteousness. Instead of clusters of sweet grapes, the nation could only produce sour grapes, time after time. In his love, God called them back. The people couldn't do it. They kept messing up the plan. Much of the first reading is a warning, and being a warning, it is also meant for us too. Let us now consider our Lord's updated version in the Gospel. Read alongside the first reading, it is very clear that the Lord Jesus intends his hearers to hear his parable against the background of Isaiah's parable. While clearly standing in line with Isaiah, our Lord offers a new and surprising twist. Once again, it is the fate of the vineyard of Israel that is in question. However, here it is not principally the vineyard itself or the vine of Israel that is judged, but the wicked tenant farmers to whom the vineyard has been entrusted. It is not that the vineyard is failing to produce sweet grapes, but that it is being controlled by tenants who deny the vineyard owner its harvest and treat his emissaries violently. They finally even kill the owner's son to rob him of his inheritance. These wicked tenants are the sour grapes in Jesus' story. The effect of Jesus' reframing of the prophetic narrative is to shift the emphasis. It is no longer the vineyard itself that is the focus of divine judgment, but the wicked tenants who are refusing to give the vineyard owner its produce. The judgment that will befall the vineyard will not be the destruction of the vineyard itself, but the dispossession of the wicked tenants. In a further twist upon a tale, 
our Lord introduces the character of the beloved son. He ultimately becomes the victim of violence. The language used by the wicked tenants when they plot the murder of the rightful heir directly recalls the language of Joseph's brother when they sold him into Egypt. This is the heir. Come on, let us kill him and take over his inheritance. Joseph, sent by his father to inspect the work of his brothers, was violently rejected, yet went on to rule over the entire land of Egypt. So the rejection of the beloved son in Jesus' parable is the prelude to a radical turning of the tables. As in the case of Joseph, this story of a beloved son who becomes a victim ends dramatically with the resurrection. Jesus was a stone rejected by the builders that became the keystone. Now try to picture yourself as that vineyard. Look at the way God has carefully prepared things in your life up to this point. He planted faith in your heart at baptism. He nursed and cultivated and pruned your life of faith. The soil of his word and sacraments are there. He provides ongoing nutrition and water through opportunities to use the means of grace. He speaks his law to wound and convict hearts and pours out the gospel to soothe and heal. But what does he find? Let us hope and pray that he does not find sour grapes. Have we been sour grapes? Despite the surpassing goodness shown by our beloved God in every area of life, do we still complain that his blessings haven't been sufficient? Instead of clusters of sweet grapes of gratitude, have we only produced sour grapes of resentment and a bloated sense of entitlement? Instead of clusters of sweet grapes of his people living in peace and harmony with others, has he found the sour grapes of envy and strife and jealousy, just like the wicked tenants? Instead of clusters of sweet grapes of forgiveness and kindness displayed among his people, does he only see the sour grapes of impatience and lack of forgiveness? But the image of the vineyard does not only allude to us. It also points in the first place to Christ, for he is the bridegroom, the mystic wine press, the sacred vintage. One of the most popular motives in religious art in the Middle Ages was the depiction of our Lord as the mystic wine press. In most of these images, our Lord Jesus is being pressed down by a cross like contraption in the shape of a wine press. Blood flows from Christ's wounds into the basin below to form the wine. Christ himself has become the grapes by which through his passion and death produces the wine. His sacrifice on the cross has produced the sweetest vintage that promises eternal life to those who have the privilege of drinking it. It is a powerful Eucharistic image. Instead of wine produced through the fermentation of grapes, our Lord offers his own body and blood in the Eucharist. At every Eucharist, we encounter Jesus, the true vine, the fertile vineyard that produces the richest and sweetest crop. With the psalmist, let us tell him, we shall never forsake you again. Give us life that we may call upon your name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.